This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, all my furry feline friends. This is Michelle Fern, your host on Catitude. Okay, what do you think about when I say Siamese? Is it that old great movie, Lady in the Tramp, with the Siamese cats? I don't know. That always comes to my mind. But I think they are one of the most exotic breeds ever. And my guest not only knows a lot about them, but she is the director of this amazing rescue organization. We'll be right back. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Doggo Suds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Doggo Sud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Doggo Suds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'd like to introduce Siri Zwemke. Zwemke, you got it. Siri Zwemke, thank you. She's the director of Siamese Cat Rescue. Welcome, Siri. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. You know, I don't have any cats right now that are Siamese, but they've always seemed to me such exotic creatures. And I do. Maybe I'm ancient and I remember that movie as a little kid, but I always think about that Siamese song. Wasn't it? It was in Lady and the Tramp, right? Lady and the Tramp. And unfortunately, it actually gave Siamese kind of a bad name because people came away from that movie just, you know, thinking they were a bit evil or naughty or whatever. And while that may be true, the naughty part, they certainly uh, make wonderful pets for the right family. What I've heard about Siamese cats is that they tend to be a little vocal, so more than some other cats. But that's all I've heard. So I'll learn a great deal, I'm sure, so I'm looking forward to this. Are they pretty vocal? Do they like to talk, a.k.a. meow a lot? Well, they do, some of them. I mean, of course, it just depends on the cat. But they do have that reputation of being extremely talkative. And, you know, everybody thinks of that sort of typical Siamese drawl, which is kind of like a crying baby. They also are very, very intelligent. So when you put the two of those things together, a very talkative cat and a very intelligent cat, you've got a cat who's, you know, making all these vocalizations, trying to tell you something, wanting something or whatever. And it's it's not always easy to kind of figure out what they're saying. You know, as you were saying that, I was thinking, that sounds great. It's a smart cat that I could have a conversation with or something, you know. What is it about Siamese cats that draws people to the breed? What would you say? I think it's certainly the looks. I mean, the the looks, you know, range from your kind of stockier apple head to your long and lanky breeder wedgie triangular shaped head cat. And so certainly they have a gorgeous look. 
but their personality is very, very dog-like in general. So you get a lot of people who have had Siamese cats growing up, and then as adults, they really want to have one or introduce their family to one. And the qualities, I think, that make them extremely attractive to families and interesting to people can also be the things that make them a little bit more difficult or maybe more difficult than the average cat. So that, you know, it's their intelligence, sometimes their vocalization, they tend to be a bit eccentric uh, sometimes. And you can, you can have this great conversation with them about politics or whatever, and they will, you know, it'll seem like they're answering, you know, it's it's wonderful. (laughs) Hey, that might be fun sometimes, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Would you say Siamese cats, you've mentioned before, you said they're kind of dog-like? Yes, I think they're very dog-like. They require a lot of attention. And I think that's the biggest mistake that people make is that, you know, they don't realize that it's a cat that is not a meatloaf. It's not a couch potato. It's not a cat that you can be gone a lot or travel a lot and leave the cat at home. It's really a cat that requires a lot of interaction, wants to be very involved in what the family's doing. So that sort of thing makes makes them a bit more difficult for, for some situations. I actually think it's a positive because one of the cats that I have that adopted me was a, he literally meowed himself into my house on a cold night. He's probably mostly Maine Coon and they're kind of dog-like. And I like that, but maybe it's because I grew up with dogs. I don't know. I like that. You know, he's very friendly. He's very smart and he's just easy to get along with. And my other cats are more like, you know, the typical diva cat. Right, right. And I think people, you know, people who are looking for that love it. I think the the problem comes when people adopt because, you know, they think the cat is gorgeous and they really, you know, want to have one or want to say they have one or something. And then they just don't realize, you know, that this cat is pretty demanding and this cat is pretty smart. And this cat is, you know, not going to be happy about being closed out of the bedroom at night or want to sit outside the shower and and talk to you while you're in the shower. And, you know, people who love that love it and people who don't love it are, you know, not always so keen on that. So... Well, it sounds like you definitely need to do your homework as far as what kind of cat's the best for you. And I think there's a lot of people out there that Siamese cats would be a good fix with. And we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk all about your Siamese cat rescue. We'll be right back. Hey there, pet parents. Michelle Fern here. You know, as busy pet parents, we often forget about our own needs and You know, we need to take care of ourselves so we can reach our goals and make our lives that much more fulfilling. Well, there's something that is there to make it better for you, and that's called BetterHelp Online Counseling. You can connect with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment, and it's super convenient. You can use desktop, you can use mobile device, and it's iPhone and Android friendly. You can also use a video session. You can use chat or text, whatever you choose. They hook you up with one of their many counselors. They have over 3,000 licensed therapists across the United States. These licensed professionals specialize in depression, anger, family conflict, anxiety, insomnia, trauma, grief. They cover everything. Now, Pet Life Radio has a special discount for you. You'll save 10% off your first month with the discount code PETLIFE. 
Go ahead and connect with BetterHelp.com and start making your life even that much better. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. I'm with Siri, and she is the director of Siamese Cat Rescue. And we're talking, of course, about Siamese cats. So tell me a little bit about your rescue. It's huge. You guys have so much information on your site, like a wealth of information and a lot of great. Well, let me let you let me shut up. Let me tell you tell us all about it. How when how did it get started? Well, it's kind of, it's actually kind of a funny story how it got started. Um, and I just I just wrote a book about all of our experiences and all the mistakes I made. But I started out not meaning to have a cat rescue. I started out looking to adopt another Siamese cat. And I already had several and I really didn't need any more. But I thought, you know, I want another one. And so this was back in like 1998. And uh, what I did is I went ahead and contacted all of the rural shelters around us. So we live in a very rural part of Virginia and there's lots of little county shelters. And I contacted them all and I said, hey, you know, I'm looking to adopt a Siamese cat and left my name and number. And then I, you know, I still was looking, couldn't find one. And somebody said to me, hey, you know, get on the internet. And I was pretty new to the internet. The internet was somewhat, you know, not used like it was today. And so I got on the internet and through kind of a connection here and there, I got sent to a woman in Topeka, Kansas, who who was doing like a Siamese rescue locally in Topeka. And so she and I started talking. She had a cat I wanted to adopt. I started thinking, I'm going to get that cat. And then to my maybe horror, the while I was sort of putting in this two to three month plan about how to get to Topeka and get this cat, all these shelters started calling me that, you know, it it was spring going into summer, the shelters got busier and busier. And the next thing I knew, I kept getting these phone calls like, oh, you wanted a Siamese cat? We've got one. So, you know, I went and looked at the first one and I went and looked at the second one and I went and looked at the third one. And the next thing you knew, I had like 12 cats in the house. Yeah. 12 cats and, you know, kind of a husband that was, you know, sort of scratching his head and not looking so happy. And <laughs> I, meantime, I'm working a full-time job and I just started realizing, okay, this is great. This is great fun. I didn't realize there were all these Siamese cats that needed help, but I can't keep taking them in. Obviously I need for them to go back out. So got back in touch with the lady in Topeka and said, Hey, you know, how, how did you do it? What are you doing? And she gave me a few guidelines and like I tend to do everything in my life. I became a teacher kind of with an overnight decision. I I just, a lot of my decisions throughout life have been these overnight decisions. I thought I'm just going to start a rescue. So like the next day I called up the IRS and I said, you know, how do I become a nonprofit? And I got the paperwork and I, you know, did all of the little requirements. And before you knew it, it started snowballing and the shelters continued to call and I I continued to take in cats. And I finally started figuring out how to send them out again. And that was like 1998. I think we ended up adopting maybe a hundred cats out that year. Wow. And the whole thing just grew. And now we've done 13,000 cats, which is really, really cool. 
Yeah, that that is really cool. That's, you know, people don't realize for adoption for any rescues, it is difficult. It is so difficult because you want to make sure you have the right, you know, match because you don't want the cats coming back for right or kittens for any rescue. You know, even we're about cats, but dogs too. Any kind of rescue, you don't want them coming back. So you have to just make sure. So thirteen thousand, while. For some people might think, oh, that's not, you know, that huge. That is huge, especially for more breed-specific type rescues. That is a huge number, and that is so many lives saved, way more than 13,000, because I'm sure most of your cats are fixed. They're all fixed. All fixed. So, yeah, you saved millions of lives of unborn little kittens that would probably be out in the wild, not unfortunately for long, because that's another... The other cool thing, too, is that over the years, we spawned off several other organizations. So, you know, once we got the Siamese Cat Rescue Center, which is out of Virginia, once we got that going, I hooked up back up with the lady in Kansas and said, hey, come on board. You know, let's let's put you on the website as well. And we had a donor who was very helpful in building a small shelter here for us. And she started up a rescue in Texas. And then we had a volunteer who ended up moving out to Colorado and she started up a Siamese rescue in Colorado and, you know, several in California. And so, so the whole thing kind of, you know, spider webbed out. And when I think altogether, it's like 25,000 cats with those groups. Now they are separate groups from us. Um, We all share a common sort of umbrella website, but we're all individual groups, but it's, so it really, you know, created this big, big snowball, which was It's just so cool. Yes, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I want to talk a little bit about your rescue and your website because I think you have some great facts on there, great information for people that are looking to adopt, that are not sure as far as are you ready? Are you ready for a Siamese cat? And so forth. What do you find is the most I guess, what are your steps as far as for finding the right family, the right fit for the cat and the cat for the family, the whole, you know, so they they both make a good match and there's no, oh, we're bringing this cat back. It didn't work or or worse, they just abandoned the cat or something horrible like that. Well, that's a pretty detailed question, but to try to address it, the first part of that is that we do look at every cat before we bring it into our program. So we want to make sure that the cat that we're accepting from the local shelter is a cat that we do feel is adoptable. I mean, every cat certainly deserves a chance, but there are some cats out there that are really not pets. You know, maybe they're feral, maybe they just have such severe behaviors such as being extremely aggressive or whatever, that they don't make good family pets. So the first thing we do is we look at the intake side of things and and at the cats that we bring in. The second thing we do is we put the adopters through a pretty intense screening process. We've had a lot of adopters tell us, man, it's more difficult to get a cat from you than it is to adopt a child. And, you know, well, that's a bit of an exaggeration. We believe that the more information we can gather from the adopter as far as not only what is their lifestyle and their family like and their other pets, which is really, really key, but what are their expectations and what are they looking for in their cat, then we can match. You know, we can really do some matchmaking. So 
on, you know, the foster's job. And we, over the years, had about 900 volunteers throughout 20 different states who all had a very important part in certainly rehabilitating and getting the cat ready for adoption, but also in actually making that match. It was very much a team effort where the foster would represent the cat and they would get to know the cat and say, hey, this cat is not going to be suited for small children. This cat doesn't like other cats or doesn't like female cats or whatever the case may be. And then on the other side, the interviewers were tasked with getting to know the adoptive family spending an hour plus on the phone with them, giving them a questionnaire that asked a bunch of questions, checking their references, checking with their vet, making sure that it was going to be a safe home, but also gathering all of that information that would help us then come together as a team and look at the cat, look at the applicant and, you know, put two and two together and say, Hey, this is going to match for you. You know, you're a family with three small children, you need, you know, a young male Siamese that is really lovey-dovey and is going to be okay with being carried around and, you know, put in the wagon and pulled around and stuff. You don't need a female seal diva who's going to hate that, you know, so we would do a lot of that. And I think the, our adopters really appreciated that and have appreciated that and, and came to us, many of them came to us for that fact that we do all this matchmaking. Now, it's not to say we didn't annoy a bunch of people by saying, sorry, we're not, you know, I know you really want this cat. We're not putting that cat in your home because we do not believe that the cat will be successful. So certainly that happens as well. I was going to just ask you, what would you say your success rate is? As far as, you know, once you have checked out the home and the the potential adopters and the cat's correct and all that, what would you say? Well, Great question, because we are extremely statistic organized and we track all of our numbers out the wazoo. So we have somewhere between a 7 to 10% return rate. Now, we have over the years always taken the cats back. So when they come back, you know, there's no, I mean, we, we sort of analyze what went wrong, why didn't it work. But out of that 7 to 10%, only like 1 to 2% of it is something that we felt we could have foreseen you know so if a cat comes back to us we analyze why did that cat come back to us about eight percent of those come back because something happened to the adopter you know the adopter passed away the adopter got transferred to you know taiwan and couldn't take the cat or something so that cat would come back to us we we count that as a you know non-preventable return and then we have one to two percent of the cats that where we think, well, there you go, we shouldn't have placed two female cats together, or, you know, we thought that that cat would be okay with children, and it really wasn't. Now, the good news is that all of the returns get adopted. You know, we use it as a learning experience, so they get adopted again, and we say, okay, now we know that this particular cat that came back can't go with other cats, or can't go with small children, or whatever it is, and then we we put that restriction on their next adoption. I looked at your website and I saw a lot of Siamese cats, but I saw a couple that didn't look like Siamese. Are they, do you take in part Siamese cats? Yes. So of course we tell everybody, you know, it's breed rescue, but the cats don't come with resumes, right? So we don't, 
get cats with papers. It, I mean, once in a great while, I'd say once one in 250 cats maybe comes with actual papers saying this is this is a purebred Siamese. This is why, um, as I talked a little bit earlier, we look at the intake of the cat. And when we go out, we evaluate every cat. So if the local shelter calls me and they say, hey, Siri, I've got a Siamese. Can you come out and look at it? I go out and look at it and I'm looking for several different things. I'm looking for what the cat looks like and it has to meet some criteria. And yes, it, it could be a mixed cat, but it's got to have blue eyes. And ideally it's going to have solid body color and points. Ideally it's going to have short fur. And then there's certain colorations that we'll accept. If it's got too much white or whatever, we, we may not. And then it's got to meet certain criteria in the behavior department. So we're not going to take a cat that's known to be aggressive. And we also look at medical, but most of those cats are not coming with medical. But if there's known, you know, this family turned in this cat because it's got cancer, it's got a few months to live. Well, you know, that's not a good candidate for us, really. Right, of course. Your rescue organization sounds so thorough, so wonderful. And I know that you're you're in Virginia and, you know, we're, of course, heard all over the country. Well, not of the country, all over the globe, besides just all over the U.S. What would you advise for people that are looking for a certain breed rescue? You know, if they want just a Siamese cat or maybe a Maine Coon or just um, a Persian, what should they look out for to make sure that, that they're going to just hook yeah. up with the right kind of rescue? Right. I think the two things that you want to look for, first of all, you want to look for some vetting. You know, most rescue groups that I'm aware of, and even now the public shelters, there's been a lot of um, emphasis and change in the last years um, for the for the shelters to provide more vetting. You want some basic vetting of these cats. So you, you want a feline leukemia, feline AIDS combo test done at minimum so that you know the cat is not a carrier of either of those. And, you know, you should, the cat should have some basic shots. I mean, ideally that cat is spay-neutered, which in the U.S. is required by law, either they're spay-neutered or placed with a spay-neuter contract. So I think you want to, you know, the cat should be healthy. You shouldn't go in there and look at the cats and see really crusty eyes and a lot of green discharge and lethargy of the cats and that sort of thing. And then the second thing is I would want some matchmaking. You know, I would want a rescue group or a shelter that is spending some time asking about your family and what you're looking for. I remember years ago, and I talk about this in my book as well, you know, I went and adopted a, a, a dog. I did not need another dog. I think I already had five dogs, oh but I, I thought, oh, my daughter, my daughter needs another dog. You know, I, we should get a puppy. And we went and got a puppy and they asked me not one question, you know, did I, they didn't ask if I had other dogs, if I had a yard, you know, they just let me take home this puppy for $35 or whatever I paid. And well, we kept her all those years and stuff, you know, it was kind of a disaster. <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, I, I, I didn't need another dog. I had plenty of dogs. I really didn't have room for another dog. And I think that, you know, it's a disservice to adopters to just assume that any cat is going to work in any home because it's not true. You know, cats, and, and there's a lot of cat dislike, you know, cats are fairly solitary creatures. They really, at least Siamese, they really like people. They don't necessarily really like other cats, you know, so you really have to personality match. 
you know, I have one cat like that. Maybe she has some Siamese in her someplace because she doesn't get along with the other ones, but she does not like anywhere close to that. So I think it's another issue. But um, <laughs> I could I could certainly know understand what you mean because when they don't get along, it's just not good. Just not it's good. not good. I mean, it really can make life miserable not only for the cat or the animal in question but certainly for all of the family members as well, you know, and then you, you know, with cats, unfortunately, you run into them expressing their unhappiness often by not using the litter box. And most of us are not going to, you know, be happy living in a home where the cat is not using the litter box. So then you've got this, you know, sort of recycling of animals where, you know, somebody adopts from, from the shelter, there was no matchmaking done and they don't want to take it back to that shelter because they're embarrassed, but, you know, off they go and take it to some other shelter. And, you know, what's the point of that? Exactly. And yes, so right on about the litter box. One day soon, there'll be a show about how he finally got Charlotte to use the litter box and she's happy now. But that's a whole other <laughs> show and whole other thing. And she's not Siamese. She's a mix of, she's from the streets. But let's talk about how can people find your Siamese Cat Rescue and also where can they find your book? Is it published yet? Yeah, the book has just been published. It's called Rescue Mees, M-E-E-Z. So we use a meeser to mean a Siamese. And um, it tells the, um, the sort of all of the funny stories. After like 20 years, we sort of looked back and what really wasn't funny at the time, because of course we were going through it and I didn't know what I was doing and everything. Now it's pretty hilarious at all the mistakes I made. So I tried to make it a light, funny book, which tells the story of Siamese Rescue and how I learned from my mistakes and the different mistakes I made. And it's available online, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, etc. And then for, certainly our website, um, which is the Siamese Cat Rescue Center. And that is an umbrella, Siamese Cat Rescue, where you can pick a rescue on the left-hand side. If you live in California, you can look at the drop-down, pick the California group. But SiamesRescue.org is the URL. And yeah, I encourage people to, to take a look. Like you said, there's some really good information about Siamese cats in general. And there's ways to contact us. We're always happy to help. One of the things we hope to do a lot more of in the future is, you know, some mentoring, some helping, working more, maybe trying to keep cats in the home, trying to look at, uh, you know, situations where people are, frustrated with what's going on in the home and trying to, you know, provide some advice and experience and see if, you know, we can do anything to keep the cats from kind of cycling through this rescue experience. Well, I think you've done a wonderful job telling us all about the Siamese cats and what a wonderful job in creating the rescue from kind of from shoestring, you know, right from the ground up. And also, you know, in kind of leading the way for these other rescue groups around the country. So major kudos or major meows, I don't know, to you, Sari, because <laughs> you've done wonders. So wonderful. Is there anything else you wanted to mention that we didn't get a chance to talk about? Oh, I don't know. I could talk on and on forever. There's all, there's such great information, but um, I would really just encourage people to, you know, if you're interested in a cat that's very involved, that's, you know, just really got usually a great personality and is much more dog-like, but you've got the time you know, take a look at the Siamese if you don't know anything about the breed. Don't just focus on the kittens and stuff. I tell you, these older 
Siamese gentlemen and ladies are such great cat personalities. They just, over the years, my husband and I have made it a point to always take in the older cat. And I think we counted in the book, I was counting at one point how many personal cats we've had in the last 20 years. And it was something like 46. It oh was my ridiculous. <laughs> but each cat really only stayed with us for you know, a year up to, you know, eight maybe, because we took in the 10, 12, 15 year old and don't regret a minute of it. Siri, thank you so much for coming on Catitude. It's been so fun having you on. Thank you very much for having me. I've had a great time and really enjoy it. What a great show. And Sari has done such a great job with Siamese Cat Rescue Center. Please check it out for everybody that's listening. You can always go to Pet Life Radio, Catitude, go to this show's episode page, and there'll be a link to the Siamese Cat Rescue site. I'd like to thank my guest, Sari Dwemke, for coming on Catitude. Um, a huge thank you to my crew that has found me, and um, we now have a new one that I'm hoping is not abandoned, but we have Dennis and Molly and Charlotte and um, the lovebirds. If you've seen at Catitude 17, these are the lovebirds, Sammy and Jethro. And the newest babe is Jazz, a neighborhood cat in and out. I don't know, but she's kind of adopted us. So thanks to all my meow fur kids for keeping me on my toes and adopting me. Thanks to my producer, Mark Winner, for making me and my guest sound great. And huge thank you to everyone listening to Catitude. Oh, I appreciate it so much. And you can find great pictures of my crew and some other things if you go to Instagram. Instagram, it's at Catitude17. Now keep listening. You never know what we're going to be talking about next. Let's Talk Pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>